This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. Hi, I'm Trish. We're going to talk about Monica Hughes's novel, Invitation to the Game, uh, from 1990. I have a paperback copy of this somewhere in my book collection. I know, know this because I did a search on Twitter for Monica Hughes, and I'm like, oh, there's me tweeting about him. <laughs> but I'd never read it before. I've read uh, at least two other of her books, maybe more. Um, have you guys read any Monica Hughes prior to this one? This is the only one, but I read it when it came out oh. in uh, 90 or, you know, soon after. Right. Um, and I had a physical copy, but I lost it during one of my moves. So, uh, or or called it or something. Um, but I don't have it anymore. So, uh, I thought the audiobook did a, you know, reasonably good job of yeah. of narrating and Mm-hmm. Everything. She's uh, whoever the narrator is. Um, uh, uh, this is the only audiobook of her stuff, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, it's it's non audible or downpour. Or anything yeah, like I, this it's, is a, it's pretty, pretty sure. This is where a book did you for, get this? It's a book for the blind. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And Wikipedia uh, says she wrote over 35 books for young people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I read a bunch uh, of them. Um, uh, the the ones that stand out as you know I definitely read were Earth Dark, Crisis on Con Shelf Ten, and maybe one of the Keeper of the Isis books, the Keeper of the Isis Light. That's her only trilogy. She does actually have like a lot of two book series. Um, and I thought when I I was getting to the end of this, I was like, did I make the file wrong length here? Because I was like, is this gonna is this gonna be finished? <laughs> when I was getting close to the end. <laughs> um, it's finished. It's actually uh, co- a complete book. Um, Paul, you hinted at not thinking this is the greatest book ever. And if that's true, I'm going to have to come down there to one of those states you live in and, and pummel <laughs> you with my I fists. I only live in one state, one of those states I live in. You make it sound like I'm either a multiple... You I'm could, in multiple you're places. slippery. You're always on the road going places. <laughs> I, I'm always going places. That's true. It, I don't want to have to beat you with my fists, Paul. So <laughs> please tell me that what you were saying well, about this book not being absolutely perfect. It's, uh, it's not true. absolutely perfect. Um, How dare you? It, um, may, may, maybe because this is a YA book, um, there, there, there are things that don't quite get didn't quite gel for me in some ways. Um, mm. It felt a little under, just slightly undercooked. I think. Mm. I mean, I, I, I mean, after some thought, some things made sense, but I don't even know if she was even intending some of what I extrapolated in my mind or not. It's mm-hmm. hard to tell because she never actually goes there. You're talking and, the the main character narrator or the author? I'm, I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm talking the author. I'm talking about the society. Mm. And also the um, the way that the colonization of the planet is set up feels really not well thought out by the government. And a, rec- <laughs> a recipe for utter... We don't actually know disaster. that the government did, did anything, right? Um, 
I no no I I I think we I think we can I think we can uh the way the way I, I think I, uh, we're supposed to be left with that impression. Yes. I I, I the, the impression that I got from this. I talked a little bit a little bit to Trisha about this. Yes, I know before the podcast. Yeah, you're not allowed to um, do that. <laughs> we are allowed to do that. No, not and allowed. I, and I thought and I thought about it I, I and I thought about some more um yesterday Trisha and I forgot to tell you that I think the considering the society that they take these tests and the best and the brightest get to have jobs and everybody else is kind of supernumerary and are, and living on the margins. And much to Liz's surprise, all, all of our friends, including the brilliant ones, except for one, and he loses his job, basically don't pass. So I got the feeling that the government was bringing the tests so that they would get a good set of potential colonists so that even people who normally would qualify for a job under even, even under the terrible employment conditions of this world were not so that they would be fodder for being invited to the game. What do you think, Trish? Uh, I'm not sure it's, I'm not sure of that. Uh, they, from, from the book, it says that, uh, all the, uh, basically, uh, environmental catastrophe many years ago and, uh, robots saved humanity, but, uh, robots have basically taken over and do it. Taking all the- our jobs. Right. Yeah, They're robots taking, are taking all our jobs. Um, and, uh, uh, I I'm not sure that rigging is necessary to just not have jobs available for people. So it's possible. Certainly, there is rigging later on when uh, the psychiatrist and the farmer um, have their uh, comfortable lives ripped away from them, and they're forced to join the game group. Uh, that was definitely governmental action <laughs> deliberate action not just a set of circumstances but um yeah there are there are there do seem to be some very badly thought out elements of this colonization mm. program tell me um well uh it's just stupid to send off all these people without any tools at all no knives no no uh fire implements, nothing. Um, it's, it's, yeah, I'm sure a, a lot of people ought to be dying or, you know, from given the conditions that they are dropped off on the planet, i.e. nothing but boots and overalls, mm-hmm. no, no tools at all. Uh, that's just a crazy, crazy, uh, method of colonization. Um, even if resources are scarce, you can, you can give people, knives so they don't have to chip their own flints <laughs> um yeah that's that's just uh, they were given yeah, something yeah. though they were given the knowledge and those massively awesome bodies that they were always working on <laughs> right they were given each other well yeah that's uh, they were uh, hopefully uh the government is only sending off pretty physically fit people to do this, but uh, physical fitness is not enough to survive. No, but they also have all these adventure. skills, right? Yes, 
knowledge and skills. Um, yeah, it's, uh, obviously they do survive, but I think that's much more a matter of, uh, Is it realistic? Maybe not. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, um, right. So that's one You'd problem. read this before, so. I had, and I how enjoyed old, it How old then. were you in 1990? It's 30 uh, years, no, 30-something uh, years ago, right? You would have been a teen? Uh, no, grad school. Grad school, okay. Um. Uh, did you remember any of it? I remembered the basic premise that uh, they thought they were playing a game and then turned out to be involuntary colonists. Mm, okay, so the basic plot, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, all I remember, uh, I never read this one before, but I read Monica Hughes before, and what I remember to Monica Hughes is exactly my experience of this book, which is kind of basic sketch of a story. Um, mm -hmm. no more detail than absolutely necessary and, uh, good SF. And I, mm -hmm. I do believe that's exactly what we got here. There's no more detail than absolutely necessary. Uh, it's good SF and that's it. <laughs> it's, it's like, um, I, I was thinking, uh, Oh, it's perfectly competent, SF. I have read much, much worse than this. Oh, no, it's it's actually, mm -hmm. it's not just more competent. It's it's exactly, like, it does exactly what she's trying to do. And uh, I was thinking, like, there are, I've read this book before, um, uh, but it wasn't by her. It's by Heinlein. <laughs> Tunnel in the Sky. Tunnel in the, in the sky. sky, right? Yes. And mm -hmm. uh, there's another one Paul suggested we do, and we did, uh, an Alexi Panshin book, I think. It was oh, right. Oh, the, right the, of passage. The, I've read that one, yeah, way back when. Which is oh. um, an, another, you know, it's colony except by ship. Uh, right, the ship wants to make sure that the children are growing up strong and that so it sends them right. off to, uh, you know, yep. hazing so it's in, it's in, it's <laughs> hazing in this. Yes, that's a good way to put it. It's this, uh, it's in this uh, tradition of SF. I don't know that she necessarily need to needed to have read uh, tunnel in the sky, but it's super complementary to that in that they both do the same job. They have almost identical scenes where characters are thinking of, are we, um, actually on earth? <laughs> um, almost identical, like reasoning with, um, you know, looking up at the sky and saying, could we be in Africa? This sky doesn't seem familiar. And then staying up and seeing what the, the sky looks like. Then um, finally realizing, oh yeah, there's no moon. This right. Yeah, it, 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 it took them a long while to, to realize that there's. I mean, that kind of. Well, reminds, to be fair, it rained most of the time when they. It did. It, yeah. so. it, but it kind of weirdly reminds me of Planet of the Apes movie where they. they it takes them a long oh. time to actually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's like, what about the moon? It's like, it it just it's like, it just seems way long too long of a time in that movie now now i'm confessing about planet of the apes for for him to see the not see the moon and, and realize oh, wait a minute i'm on earth after all mm -hmm. so but yeah the same thing here is like wait wait did, you took you this long to figure out there was no moon i mean the moon they is had a conversation right they had a heinleinian style conversation <laughs> where right. everybody well, sits around and argues their point and one guy refuses to even believe they're they're not 
in a VR simulation. And the others are like, well, you could sit around for a few weeks hoping that's correct. And then they have the emotional scenes where, where they are sort of depressed and not doing anything. And then somebody falls down and they all start laughing and looking at themselves and realizing, uh, it doesn't matter if they are, they don't even see. That's the cool part about it, Paul is Monica mm-hmm. Hughes doesn't do any extra. So we're doing all this extra work. Like what if they're still in a VR? And the answer is <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Because they're not coming out of it. And at least they don't think that they're coming out of it. And, and, uh, I, I was wondering how she was going to pull it off at the end because we're running out of time. And then she's making paper, and then she, the last words of the book are the first words of the book. And I'm like, right, right, right. And that's she did she's it right. Talking to she's talking to you know descendants. Well, us, we're her descendants because we're <laughs> sure. reading her book, right? Right, reading her book. Yes. So that she did a great job. Um, and I was thinking, like, uh, Andre Norton gets a lot of attention. Uh, Monica mm-hmm. Hughes is way better. And I'm not saying, like, I don't like Andre Norton's ideas, but her execution is not as, like, this is much better sketched. Uh, a much better sketch. I will sketch. say, this book is much better than some Andre all, Norton. All the Andre Norton I've read, <laughs> unfortunately. I, I want to like her stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think she, I don't think she plots uh, and sketches as, as well based on what I've read of Monica Hughes. And, and it's kind of crazy that she has a big reputation um, when there are, I guess it's, it, it's also to do with the years of publication, right? She was publishing in the fifties. Monica Hughes doesn't really get started until the mid seventies. Right. It said her, Wikipedia says her first book was published when she was in her fifties. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting looking at her background. She was, uh, a, um, Here's a uh, one of the code breakers. Uh, yeah. uh, it doesn't, Wikipedia doesn't mention Bletchley Park, but that's what I'm thinking of. Uh, yeah. well, she, she was, studied. she was a math, math, uh, person and she joined the mm-hmm. Navy and that's, you know, that's what they did was programming and. Uh, decoding and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's possible yeah. she 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 was just you know cleaning the coffee machine, but she seems like a pretty smart lady, and they did make them work. So, probably not. Probably was, uh, and then emigrated to Canada, uh, Alberta, it seems, and had her she life lived in Zimbabwe for a while, uh, and then moved around the Commonwealth, had, her, had her kids, and then. Started uh, publishing like mad. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, it says, I-, I like her stuff. Monica Hughes has repeatedly been called Canada's finest writer of science fiction for children, for instance, by critic Sarah Ellis. The, uh, if, if you, so, if you uh, take away the uh, for children part, um, Robert Silverberg's crying. Not Robert Silverberg, Robert J. Sawyer is crying because. Um, he, well, yeah, he 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 thinks he's Canada's best science fiction writer. Um, well, he, his claim was um, Canada's only full time science fiction writer. Um, oh God, that was his claim. Um, hmm. Now uh, it's because he was saying professional, you know. But um, uh, she 
she was uh, basically retired by the time she started writing. And uh, it just hit after hit. Like, even the ones I haven't read, I've heard good things about. And uh, I'm like, that's really cool. Because um, uh, it makes me, like, a little bit hopeful that somebody's going to make audiobooks out of these. Because I I want more. And I want to be able to hand them to people as well. Because I really enjoyed her stuff. I I think she's, like, doing... uh, It it, it is very basic uh, SF. As in, it's a good introduction material? Yeah, well, it's a very common theme. Uh, I mean, children living on their own and having to make do, mm-hmm. that goes back to kids playing Robinson Crusoe. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's a theme we've seen, you know, shipwreck stories before mm-hmm. there were science fiction, before science fiction yeah. for kids started becoming a thing. Mm-hmm. But it's also, um, it's, it's, it's more than just that, because... In Robinson Crusoe ideas, right? Or like even in Tom Sawyer. I mean, um, the Black Stallion starts off as a shipwreck story. Yeah, yeah. Surviving on an island. Or Island of the Blue Dolphins is another one that (laughs) I heard in connection with this. Um, Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. this is a community, even though, you know, we don't really get to know the other people very well. Um, Mm -hmm. It's it's about her and her community. And uh, I actually, I really liked um, all the stuff set on earth um and i like that i, I didn't know there was some really interesting stuff in there some yeah, interesting yeah. sociological stuff uh i was really interested by the absolute lack of sympathy that the employed people had mm-hmm. for the unemployed um you know they got jobs back when they were kids, so why aren't these young kids able to you they're, know they're that, 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 feels, that feels very uh resonant and and yeah much, 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 that's how human nature is like oh yes well you know, these lazy kids these days if they only applied themselves they could get right. jobs and right, right. and i i, I really kids, like why aren't they working and buying their houses and I, stuff but like i also that. really like that she doesn't she doesn't tell us how to think about that what she does is gives this is what i mean by the sketching part right she gives mm-hmm. us this and then right i'm thinking after a certain point in the book i'm thinking oh actually those guys were the the people who got the jobs were the worst uh, students. <laughs> they were the it's worst. Possible. Yeah, they were the um, because they they are fulfilling a certain minor role in a automated luxury society. And what makes like uh, remember the marks she gets at the beginning of the book, right? She gets a I, I don't know ninety or something in math, and then. 95 or something. Yeah, and then it descends, right? was her specialty. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's a descending uh, uh, scores. And, like, it's it's something I talk about with my students all the time. You know, when you're you're doing your homework, uh, when you're doing your assignments for these marks, you have to – you have to always be thinking about what, what is my goal? Is it just getting good marks? Because if it is, this is how we do this. If it's not, if if your goal is to actually learn and get better at something, is it is this is how you would approach this problem? And uh, re, you know, like if it is just about marks, we can do that. Um, and sometimes it is because they need to get hit a certain number for their parents or whatever. But getting good marks in school is not a, a sign that you're going to be a better doctor 
or a better, um, uh, I don't know, manager or whatever kind of job it is. It has something to do with it. Absolutely. There is a connection because, you know, if you can't do any math at all and you're supposed to be learning to be a, uh, engineer or an architect, um, you're probably going to not be able to get a great job at some place, but getting a great job is very different than what these guys do. What do they do? They scrounge, right? They, uh, learn to make their own food. They make the, be- they make their, uh, home into a castle. They, yeah, they fortify themselves. They teach they- each other how to do karate <laughs> and, uh, run marathons and then, uh, how to, how to, you know, keep the, each other safe. And so who is to, who's to say, since we don't have Monica Hughes's notes saying, this is my evil plan to make people think this. And we don't have, um, the actual government's, uh, you know, running things. And we don't even really know who the, or what the government is. Um, we actually don't know, for example, that this whole, uh, this whole plan to colonize other planets is actually a government thing. We assume it is. We, uh, we, well, I, we I don't, don't have a lot of, if the top, if the top layer of government is people, yeah. or if it's, we don't know if it's a computer. Now. We don't know yep. if it's a bunch of robots. We don't know if it's mm-hmm. a council. We don't know anything about it. What we do, we, we get a very ground level view of, you know, this is what happens when you finish school, you get off the bus, you get thrown into your district. Um, it, it's a very, actually very interesting modern dystopia. Um, mm-hmm. with, uh, and it's obviously planned out so that the poor and unemployed have as little, uh, chance of uniting, uh, and rebelling. It seems to be that way, possible. right? right. Right, there's, They're there's separated from their parents and families, and and from each other, uh, isolated and each other, right? From Tra- each other, mm-hmm. heavily restricted in this. The 15 minute right. city, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Please. No, I'm not the one no. issuing the uh, vaccine passports, my dear. <laughs> I'm I'm the one saying, wait, maybe this is a bad idea. Right. Um, it's interesting because we don't know. Cities is the way people used to live, and the <laughs> concept is a rebellion of the of the suburban sprawl that we all live in now. But I wanted to say also that this thing of um, of uh, treating the poor and unemployed reminded me a lot of the two part episode of Star Trek that the. the um, uh, uh, sorry, Deep Space Nine. Um, oh, what is it called? The, uh, the Bell Riots. Bell, the yeah. Bell Riots. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's not the name of the title. I'll no. look it up. But... Yeah, it's very much, um, uh, it, it, modern dystopia. Right. Stick, stick, stick the poor in these communities and, uh, keep them, you know, give them the bare minimum or right. sometimes not Police even the bare it's called Past Tense, mm-hmm. a two-part episode from the third season of DS9. It's a yeah. good one. Mm-hmm. It's very good. But um, this is better. Uh, this is actually, this is exactly what I like from SF. And um, I, I will hear no bad words about it other than, you know, within the context of this podcast. <laughs> um, I want to uh, talk about when I went searching, I found a podcast uh, discussing it. Oh, mm-hmm. and uh, it's from 2017. I was very surprised. Um, uh, 
the podcast is uh it's called Teen Creeps <laughs> and it's um couple ladies who have uh jobs in Burbank. Um uh, but for fun their podcast is they read old uh uh old books that they would have read in their teens. And um uh, mm-hmm. what's interesting about this is they hated it. <laughs> they they hated it uh a lot. Um and uh, they mostly don't talk about it. They start talking about um uh work <laughs> which is well, where did they, they say why they hate it uh yeah it kind of looked like it was too much of a sketch um they had problems with um with uh when they get to the planet uh, or some of the dialogue was un- unrealistic they they didn't like not knowing uh what the motivations were behind the colonization they thought it was unrealistic um, but what was interesting is like, why, why did I hate it? It's all basically all the things I liked about it. Um, that it is just a sketch that it is just gets you to the, the position, the thoughts where you're wondering about things and then the author doesn't answer it. Mm. And I, I'm like, those are all good things. And then they talk <laughs> about feature not bug at, <laughs> at work. You know, talking about like uh, an incident that happened in one of their works, and they start talking about uh, how somebody suggested which is worse: uh, you you go to a massage parlor and uh, you get offered a happy ending, or going on Craigslist and uh, cheating on your wife. And and they talked a lot about that, and and it was mostly interesting because it was the water cooler talk, you know what you do to distract yourself from the fact that you hate your work. <laughs> and this book deals with that. It says, you know, you can get good grades. If you're lucky, you'll have a good job. Otherwise, you'll be one of these despised people who, who is, isn't able to work. <clears throat> but what do we find? These guys are working harder than anybody else, right? Um, scrounging every day, uh, mm-hmm. running marathons practicing their karate, saving their money, learning to cook uh, bad food to make it better and mm-hmm. avoiding the thought police. I'm like, this is perfect. This is like exactly like I, I, if Jesse had read this as a young kid, this would be one of his favorite books. Uh-huh. And I saw other I people on Twitter saying like, I've, th- I've read this 50 times. I'm like, that's a lot. <laughs> that seems uh, excessive. It seems me. excessive. <laughs> It seems slightly um, excessive. I mean, you need more books in your library, bud. Right. Because <laughs> I, mean, I, I, mean, I like Tolkien, but I, not I thought 15. it was enjoyable. You know, it's. I think it's a good book. It is a I good have book. my little quibbles with it. But, uh, you know, once you've read it, I mean, you could reread it once in a while, but 50 times. Uh, it seems if excessive. If it's a comfort read <laughs> for you, fine. I think, I think, it's I think it is. It's sort of confidence porn. Um, you know, they yeah, but within, with, but within that context of like, we think we're inadequate, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so like, if you compare it to things like, I was thinking a little bit about Harry Potter, right? Which is the competence porn of, of, of a, of, uh, a thing that nobody can actually be competent at. <laughs> Magic. I don't think of that at all. Right. It, it no, can't be. Stumbling that, that, that. Through and- but it can't be because, you know, nobody can actually be good at that <laughs> because it's not a thing. Right. But also it's it's the uh, you're special, Harry, whereas these kids, 
they think they're the rejects. And then mm-hmm. the ones who think that they were special or that they think, you know, uh, I was at least lucky enough to have a job available to me, they get pulled out of that and a bit, are a bit sulky about it, right? Well, yeah, they, they resent, like, wait a minute, I got my, the, 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 uh, the, uh, the psychiatrist in training. It's like, I got my job and you guys ruined it for me or, Right. Or uh, or Bentha's like I had my family farm and mm-hmm. I had my life and you ruined it for me. So like it's 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 very much yeah, a I... desperation. It's like I had my little piece and you took it away from That's me. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do have a lot of sympathy for Bentha, uh, whose life was obviously destroyed. But just I, so I want to would be moved to uh, this group. But I love I love the fact that I want to hear a story of the rejects of the rejects. The other people are finding out, oh, there's this vast conspiracy somehow uh, to get us into the game, whatever that is. Um, they find out what it is, and they're like, oh, I've been rejected from, I've been rejected from the being employed except not being replaced by a robot society. And I've also been rejected from the, from the colonized other planets society. All I've got now is rebellion against the robots. So the people, right. they're the, the double left behind, you know? And well, that setting the, is um, awesome. Sorry. I just think, I think she, that's what she's done is she's made like a really, even though it's so, so barely sketched out, right? It's set 300 years in the future. And yet. Well, she doesn't belabor it. No. Uh, and I, that's a good thing. <laughs> it's a great thing. Yeah. It's like a, it's a very open. It leaves me open then thinking about it, and and that's why as a sketch, it's just brilliant. I mean, yeah. uh, like for example, um, we don't even know where this act- where on earth this actually nope. takes could place. Could be we assume Colorado. It's could be Colorado. Could be Edmonton. It could be uh, the Midwest. We have no idea. It, it, it's like yeah, it, it, that, in a sense, that doesn't matter. We all we know that there's farmland somewhere nearby for Bentha's family. Mm-hmm. That's all because the because the bus because this one bus would take to the town and then to Bentha's farm. That's all we know. It's mm-hmm. like that I mean it's like like where's where's Metropolis? Where's Smallville? Yeah. <laughs> sort of sort of approach. Um and and, and that sort of um, universality I think appeal Gives it some of the appeal of the book because you can imagine yourself being in this dystopic society. Uh, I went to that school, want. Paul. Yeah, <laughs> I feel yeah, like yeah, I yeah, did, yeah. right? Yeah, well, yeah, well, because there's not enough markers to distinguish it as a purpose. A, purposefully, not enough markers. That's no, no, that's no, what no, I'm no, saying. Right. It's great. She's clearly she's right? doing it on purpose. Yeah. yeah. Right. Oh. She's making it available for anyone to identify. All these with kids the who can there. empathize with the these kids. Mm-hmm. And, and it's um it it, it is it evokes exactly the same kind of awe and interest as farmer in, uh, not farmer in the sky as um tunnel in the sky, uh but we don't have any uh sort of oh Heinlein I hate you <laughs> sort of moments. <laughs> um, well, there are some things that she didn't seem to think about, or or I didn't accept her um, conclusions about. For example. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we, we get these kids, they get, they get isolated as a community and it seems to be her 
her thesis that under those conditions, invariably all the kids will just bond together as a family and there'll be no, um, shall we put it, hanky-panky between any of them. You mean that sex? Was, to me, was the most unrealistic uh, part of the book. You mean was sex, the, right? the idea that yes, they I mean, would all okay. be... sex, yes. yeah, yeah. Right. It's unclear yes, how old are they? Like brothers and sisters. They're, they're, oh, they're, 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 they're high school graduates, so... Is that what know, it is? One is, assumes I 16 assume, to 18 or something So they've like been there that. for 10 years, is what they said, right? So I was wondering, like, are they... are? Did they graduate at 18? Or are they graduating uh, at, like, uh, 16? It's or fourteen, or, like it's a little unclear when when we get out of the this out into the city, uh, and people are saying she was a little older than us, he was a little older than us, uh, this one was a little younger or something like that. They don't. There's no years at all, right? So right. I, I assumed crime boss was like twenty two or something like that. That's I what we that thought. Right. Right. Um, he could be a lot older than he looked, right? Like we get a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking like, they're at least 10 years old because they've been at the school for 10 years, but they also have memories of family. Um, so they uh, are a little older than 10 years, right? So was, I'm doing the math in my head. I'm like, yeah, they're, they're probably late teens, but it That's doesn't say. I, yeah. And, and so it seems really just silly that even on, on, in the warehouse that they're living in, you know, nobody starts up any relationships that, you know, yeah, the, it's very the main chaste. character Liz has a crush, but yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, and then an like, unrequited and like, crush. Yeah. And, and uh, the crush goes away. Yeah. And, but, but, but then, but she then gets notice, Philip. Yeah, yeah. As soon I mean, it, it, it's, it's like she meets Philip and, and immediately almost, I mean, judging from the timeline of this, almost immediately gets pregnant by Philip. It's like, <laughs> Yeah. It's it's like okay, so if they were that pent up. It's like you're telling me they didn't do anything. I mean, they're stuck on a planet with just themselves, as far as they know. And there's it's no, a little old fashioned. It, it's not even old fashioned. Yeah, yeah, uh, okay, old fashioned from a writing sense. It's just it just doesn't understand. It's just, it's unrealistic to to the nature of kids. I mean, maybe she just didn't want to deal with. The problem, yeah, as a children's writer, that. maybe she just didn't want to deal with romance um, at all. Uh, but it seemed pretty unrealistic oh, to it, me. It, it gets and dealt with And there's no way that a modern end. book would be uh, uh, that way. There's, there, you know, there. No, no, you, it would be a teen soap <laughs> soap opera. No, 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 I, I think a maybe it's a Christian book. Um. Well, maybe. maybe, but no, no, no. But but they don't talk about. Um, if it was a Christian book, then they would talk about marriage ceremonies. They wouldn't talk. About <laughs> yeah, and, there's and, no oh, marriage like, ceremony. That's but, that's but, in the Heinlein, though. Right. So so, but I think if this book was written today, um, the I, I don't think the author intended it. But I got I got a real undercurrent that list was also trended to Bentha, because she misses her terribly and thinks about her her farm farm friend a lot until mm-hmm. the point that she watched getting dumped in, dumped into that and she 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 really strongly pairs by I mean I mean the her crush is gets a lot less pages than her thinking about Benta all the time. So I That's think true. a modern version version of this would have that explore that relationship whether or not it goes <laughs> you know, to anything or not. Absolutely could. And then what happens when you get uh on another planet, right? It, 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 they they all married. There's two teams of ten, and everybody marries. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's exact numbers. <laughs> exact numbers are perfect. 
Uh huh. Yeah, yeah like, that's another part of the unrealistic uh, colonization well, method. Well, one of the really, one, it feels like the uh, government is convinced that it's so toxic that there should be nothing remaining of itself, and that it's so, it, so I, bad. I have a lot of sympathy you for know, that. Society has just gone so wrong that the only thing to do is to send people off, uh, young kids off to build their own societies. Sounds right. <laughs> Sounds right. I want to. I want to think about that uh, as well. So when when we've got the the team of ten, and we find out it's ten, and I was like, oh, that seems high. That number seems high. Um, and then we, there's another team of ten shows up. Um, so right, I was worried at the beginning. Uh, well, when when the with the colonization thing, like you know, they're doing ten people. On a planet that's nowhere seem, near enough to sustain. Yeah, it doesn't seem like viability. a great. <laughs> yeah, it seems like but a no, little there's bit. There's people all over the planet, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Um, but uh, also, I think it. I think you know, it's the survivor bias. Um, there's lots mm-hmm. of other Alices uh, on in this situation. Um, some of them died when they got sick, right? Um, so or, or or even pregnancy. I mean, even even sadly, given the terrible state of American medical care, pregnancy in the United States is a not unrisky endeavor on an alien planet with no no obstetricians. Yeah, oh it, my god, it is something that uh, you know, they've got a medic, but it, there wasn't yeah. a lot of and, uh, and nope, not allowed to take any equipment or anything. Like, well, yeah. you don't need you don't need that much equipment for childbirth. You know, but, but things um, go well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but um, and it is certainly go well. You die with the baby. Yeah, it so. is certainly something. Uh, w- one of the actual improvements, uh, or at least in civilized countries, one of the actual improvements over the last uh, hundred years and hundred fifty years has been reducing child childbirth death and uh, first couple years of child's life death. Mm-hmm. Yeah, childhood mortality reduced. So yeah, that if had the book been sketched slightly more, which is I think a, a lot of the problem that uh, the other people I was telling you were podcasting about is that they, it's not that they had questions, it's that they didn't like that there were questions, right? It, it, and I understand, you know, some people when they read the book they want to know all the things that they want to know. And this is is kind of the opposite. It it is barely enough material to cover the topic that it's tackling, and it's like that's perfect for how, like I, I like how sh- it's not even five hours. This book, right? Very very short. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think uh, the Heinlein is probably a couple hours longer at least, and uh, and and then there's this whole other level. Where it's doing it through VR, which is a mm-hmm. different way of going, right? Tunnel in the Sky has the exact same setup as Earth is fucked up. Um, kids are training to, um, to colonize other star systems. And, uh, they, then the, the, the plot of that one is, uh, they accidentally didn't get picked up because of a solar, uh, nova, right? Uh, right. It took some time, and they were there for a year, and then, and then Heinlein pulls the rug out from under the whole story at the end, and saying, you know, mm-hmm. um, they're all going back because 
and then one kid doesn't want to go, and then and then now we're coming back in force. We're gonna fuck up this planet just like we fucked up Earth. All right. <laughs> I'm like, oh wait, <laughs> sort of go, triple go rugs America, pulling out. Yeah. yeah. Um, which is uh I think not as cool in a certain sense as as the ending in this one. Uh, because she is thinking, she, you know, it's, it's kind of vaguely pollution bad in this book. Um, but the, oh. yeah, and the kids say, we're going to do things better. And their right. solution is just to put the, uh, uh, pollution stuff outside of town. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you, know, you don't, you don't <laughs> literally cook, you don't, yeah, you don't cook right beside the cesspit that you're throwing your, your feces into. Right. I mean, right, that's the, fir- the first step. Yeah. Yeah. The first step of, not polluting everything. It is the first step. Yeah, <laughs> they, they at least recognize that they need to avoid that mistake. But they also they're like, we need to make soap, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you guys don't have a lot of fat collected. So yeah, you got the ashes. So maybe you yeah. Need- the only way I can think of is to render animal fat, and they yes. need that for nutrition. Yes, they haven't quite got to the point where they they are they're not they're not even doing. Um, animal husbandry right they're just hunter gathering mm-hmm. um right. and and you know making their gruel uh their cereal um it's fine it's it's a it's a great ending it's a a very solid book but it has this other element the vr element and uh something that happened in between 1990 and now in computer gaming which is mentioned in this right uh kids being good at computer games um, mm-hmm. is that there's been a massive a new genre in uh, computer games, which is survival genre, right? It's kind of related mm-hmm. to Minecraft, but there's a, uh, there's a New Zealand-based um, comedy troupe, I guess, called Viva La Dirt. Uh, I don't know if Paul's <laughs> seen one of the... Is Viva La Dirt League. What they do is they make fun of games that people are playing. So, like, they have a PUBG one where, you know, they say, isn't it funny stims can prevent you from doing this? It's just little jokes, like little sketches of games. And one of the ones they do is a survival one where, you know, poof, you appear on a beach, right? I guess their most famous one is called Epic NPC Man, where it makes fun of the genre where you're doing Dungeons and Dragons in a computer, right? You, You get... Uh, you get a new upgrade in armor, and the male version is looks different from the female version. The female's very scanty, but they do the same uh, <laughs> uh, prevention. The same yeah, and they offer the same protection, and you know the, the all the tropes of tankies and healers and all the all the you know all the different tropes. And they 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 do a survival one where you know you find three sticks and uh, a stone, and now you. Uh, you, you you just put them together on the ground, and now you have a hand axe. <laughs> because that's how, you know, these crafting games work. And you can go from, you know, yeah, running like around. Val- like, yeah, Valheim comes to mind. Yeah, there's like. so many like this. So that theirs is just, you know, survival logic is, you know. But it's a, it's a generic of all of these style of games. I've got one called um, uh, The Long Dark, uh, which is, a, you know, just a survival simulator. You have to, you know, keep your health. You have to keep your your warmth. You have to get food. You have to get sleep. You have to get uh, uh, fixes. You can't fall, right? And it, it's a first-person shooter-style game, but 
you almost do no shooting at all. It's mostly crafting and exploring and trying to survive and see how long you can survive. Well, that's what the VR game they're playing is. It, it's it's not the like the VR game uh, like Dream Park, which is it's not it's not even really it's much more like Westworld, right? Dream Park. Um. Yes. Because or, or you dress other, up. Dream Park's like. Yeah, Dream Park is already dressed like Glass World. Yes. Yeah, you dress up in the costumes, and then uh, your digital uh, crossbow or whatever does uh, damage to a hologram. And right, this is uh, much more like a survival computer VR game. And and I thought it was cool that she's got it so that as soon as they get injured in this VR simulator, oh, they're popped back out into reality. Um, and, and then the transition between the artificial world and the, the virtual world, uh, the real world, the virtual world, and then the actual other planet reality, uh, is slippy, right? Like there is no Philip K. Dick style moment where the, maybe, maybe we're all still in the VR. It never says that. But you you thought about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Character, yeah. We have a character thinking about that all the time and insisting mm-hmm. and hoping but, that it's true. But right? after a year, you know, uh, and being married to Philip and having a kid on the way, we don't have somebody saying, "And maybe I'm still in." But we're thinking that, right? You and I are all thinking that. No, I was <laughs> uh, that we're still in. Um, if, if if it's that close, then it does. Yeah, if you're in that long, then it doesn't matter at that point. Right. Um, it's like you're 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 physically stuck in there for like. Um, which actually reminds me. Actually, thank you, Jesse. I didn't think about this mm-hmm. as a book that works with this, as far as VR and reality and spending all the time. It, but there's a series from the late '90s, early 2000s by Tad William Cold that doesn't get a lot of play. Tad because Williams. Really, what Tad Williams? Uh huh. Um, he's mostly known for his giant epic fantasies, but mm-hmm. he wrote a series about um, kind of a VR alternate reality sort of thing called Otherland. Otherland. Yeah. Yes, Otherland. It's, it's a, and we have the one, and we have characters spending lots of times in those tanks, including one character who's so physically disabled in the real world that basically he just spends twenty four seven in the tanks because in these other land worlds, I mean, he's fully capable and can do things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. We could have an other land scenario, but for all kinds and purposes, they're still they're going to be in the game for life, so they might as well kind of have to play by those rules. So, so, <laughs> the so first it doesn't book matter of, if they're the first book in that series is called City of Golden Shadow. Shadow. Yep. Twenty eight hours, forty one minutes. It, yeah, 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 all, all, all those books are doorstoppers. I read them all. <laughs> so four book series, yeah. and the total length of time it would take it's a, a million one hundred thousand. Uh, 88 I, words. I spent a lot of time reading 117 uh, point uh, 117 hours 54 minutes right so like what I'm saying uh, what I like about this is it's it doesn't overstay its welcome um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I know how you feel about long books like, and I'm not sure I ever would actually I could read all of Monica Hughes in the time it would take to be yeah I'm not sure I'd, act- I'd actually books. ever want to reread Right. The, that series, I mean, I did it once. I don't feel a giant need to read them again. I mean, I did that. It's, it's also the same setup as Avatar, right? Um, except yeah, people don't Avatar's know. 
uh, in this book. Whereas, and, and I was thinking a little bit about like when they were in the VR before they were actually on the planet, mm-hmm. uh, were they actually like, were their consciousnesses inside of like drone robots over the surface of the planet? Or is it just a regular VR world? And uh, it never answers, but I'm pretty sure it wasn't drone robots because there's just no evidence for that, right? Yeah, my my assumption was that they had built this VR world to be explored through data collected by right. drone robots. Makes sense, right. right? But not that they were actually inhabiting drones. But the, but we have that scene where the kid says, "Hey, what's that shit on your hair?" Right. And, mm-hmm. and right, they hadn't cleaned like, off oh, the contact. We were though. in VR <gasps> all the time. <laughs> right, it was, a, it was a dream all but, along. You know, there is that temptation at the end of this book to just add. You know, I, if I got my paperback copy out, and it's uh, the end of the book is, uh, it's this exact same words at the beginning is like, I. She forms the I with the with the feather pen, right? And uh, I had just finished school. Um, and I was doing everything, but then I reached up and there was this shitty gel on my head. <laughs> like, oh, it's all been VR all the way up and down, right? Um, and but they don't have any other alternatives for their lives, uh, so they keep going to the game anyway, yeah. even though they realize it is just but that's, VR. But that's it's the, so much better there. But that's the situation we're all in because we got that book on the shelf and we pull it off. We open it up, and we're in a VR world, right? We're in another universe, and then at the end of the, we close the book, and we we can we think we can pull out at any time. We just set this book aside, put a bookmark in it, and we're, we're out. Um, it's great. She did a really good job with this book, and I will hear not hear that it's been a bad book. Those other people's no, were wrong. I'm not arguing that it's it so is. good, and, <laughs> and, and it's just like just enough. Yeah. It's just enough. It's like a nice, simple meal, uh, precisely cooked. Um, it doesn't, it's not super spicy. It's, it's not, you know, got this exotic tang. It's, it's, uh, very generic. Everybody enjoys it. And, uh, it's a great introduction to science fiction. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that a 13 year old picking up this book would find it the best book ever and read it 50 <laughs> times <laughs> yeah yeah i can times. see that yeah. I, I could i could see i could see that but then they just need to find out other monica hughes books exist or um, or other or other books exist yeah, yeah. Um, you get a different flavor get a different taste go argue with heinlein for a while maybe oh, hang out with oh. alexi pension other Let's other see. other books exist it's it's great um okay so there are, so so I want to mention a couple of those books because mm-hmm. I'm looking at my notes. We, we <laughs> um, um, I was thinking of the movie Existence, where because at a the little bit, where, yeah. which, 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 because at the end it's like the last lines is tell me too, are we still in the game? Yeah. Like, <laughs> so that that's a good example of like, um, it's kind of the opposite of Monica Hughes because who's the director of that Cronenberg? Cronenberg, right? He's a kind of guy who um, uh, he, he says here, put this in your mouth, and I'm like, wait. Uh, I'm not sure I want to do that. And he says, uh, it'll make me feel good, though. <laughs> and I'm like, wait, Cronenberg, I'm not sure I want to do this. But he does present some interesting things, right? And that movie, when I watched it, I was like, I like this, but I also feel violated. <laughs> um, that 
I mean, I just watched a different Cronenberg yesterday, and yeah, the feel, the, being violated is kind of his yeah. deal. He says, Whether you're going to like being violated. Come watch my movie. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> yeah. Make, I'm not sure I'm agreeing with you about the me wanting to be violated, but you do make some interesting I, idea movies. I get, yeah. Um, the This whole involuntary colonization of a planet, whether you like it or not, reminds me of a Niven story, Jesse. Mm, rammer? Oh, yeah, no, the one that starts with a conversation at a party. Yes, the, what can you say about chocolate-colored manhole covers? Yes. yes. Okay. That's where you get a <laughs> bunch of adults transported to an alien planet and made it involuntary colonists, whether they like it or not. Nice. Yep. Yeah, that, so that... Um, there's, um, yeah, there the selection process is just, can you have an interesting conversation to show that you have a creative mind mm-hmm. so that you can deal Survive, with the unexpected? Uh, <laughs> right. Sounds right. Which, I, which you know, is, is that better than this for, than, than this uh, thing? Oh, you may not be as physically fit as these kids, which <laughs> can be a problem. They're so good at um, karate. Well... <laughs> Karate, karate, karate is important. And, uh, you know, you got to know your judo throws for alien. Uh, alien no, no, it wasn't judo. It was specifically karate. Karate, which yeah. is funny. Yeah, so there are apparently no larger predators on this world eating the blue furs and and other had, uh, had that actually prey animals. That would have like been much like anything you do to this book to like add anything makes it longer, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like just if, if there was, um, uh, more romance, that would make it longer. If there was a predator, that would make it longer. No matter what you do, it will make yeah, it longer. It would make it longer. But, you know, um, the, the BA biology uh, degree, me screaming about the ecology of this planet. And how <laughs> it's, it's a little sketched. <laughs> more than a little sketch. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, there are ecological niches here, which are not filled. That's, that's just not how. It's a little systems work, guys. It's a little so the book two in the series explains how there was a killer robot that came down and killed off off the native population. Then they're gonna find like they go over a hill and there's like a big pile of bones, and then there's like a bulldozer uh, with you know Earth's uh, thought police on it, and the, it's rusting away. And then the real they realize, oh my God, they've the government has killed off these native peoples. Oh. And then they start wearing the skulls of the native peoples around it. Like, you can solve this, Paul. It's the problem is it'll make it longer. I know, I know, I know you don't like long books, Jesse. Um, an, another book which is much longer that this book made me think of is Stephen Baxter's Proxmo, where you get a bunch of convicts who are taken on a, on a interstellar flight and dropped off as involuntary colonists on the planet around Proxima Centauri and they're they're specifically dropped as small groups relatively distant from each other so they can't immediately influence themselves and well they are given they are given technology though and and a robot to give their needs although the robot will eventually wear down so at least they got more than these poor kids did but the the, lots of the groups have faults in fighting and killing each other immediately because you know convicts um so 
Have That's you seen another example. Well, it's basically, you know, the uh, once again the castaway thing. And sometimes when you have a group of people, you get the Swiss Family Robinson. And sometimes when you have a group group of castaways, you get Lord of the Flies. Well, flies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good question. That's a, that that's a good question. That I know it would be too long, too much, too longer to a- ask Jesse. But we know there are at least two groups on this planet. How many did they actually drop? How many survived? How many didn't survive? Mm-hmm. What, those what are, all of those. All of those answers make the book longer, and, yeah. and we don't need it because the, it's it's really just it's just a sketch. It's absolutely just a sketch. Um, I, there is a movie um, I was a little bit reminded of when you're talking about the scenario. It's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really liked it. It's a it's a bad movie in many respects, but I really liked it. It's called uh, No Escape. Um, it stars Ray Liotta. It's a science fiction movie, kind of. You guys know no this movie? Escape. I don't know it. So I it stars Ray Liotta, Lance Henriksen, uh, Kevin Dillon, and Ernie Hudson. And uh, basically, it's it's like penal colony uh, escape from New York, except on a tropical island. Um, and Ray, I want to say Ray Liotta like goes undercover forcibly to I don't know. He's dropped off on the island, and he's like our Rambo style figure. It's an action movie. Um, it, yeah, it's it's set in 2022, but it's from 1994, <laughs> right? Um, oh and it, so it's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like half Mad Max, half um, uh, I will not have my will dominated by other people. Uh, and uh, it's based on a book, which I've not read, uh, called The Penal Colony. Uh, authors named Richard Hurley. Um, but what's cool about it is it, it is one of these, like, you know, you're stuck on an island. Uh, and uh, it's an action uh an action movie with no girls um, produced by Gail and heard from, you know, uh, Terminator. So it's like pretty good, but it's a B movie. And because there's no girls, it's not a let's remake the world. It's just a, it's a prison movie. Uh, But if you just threw in a couple of girls, then it's like, you know, Mad Max or something else where it's, you wipe the slate clean and you say, what what does it matter what's going on on the outside world because they're you know so off far offshore um it, it, it here paul it's the prisoner but as mad max <laughs> <laughs> or it's it, but it has more of a water world vibe even though that's not a good thing either this is a much better movie than water world <laughs> no no but it's much better movie than water world i i saw it on like hbo uh one night and i'm like oh my god um, it's a fun, or maybe I saw it on Laserdisc or whatever, but it's a very HBO late night movie s- style movie. Yeah. yeah. One of these movies where, you, you know, if you blinked, you missed it and nobody said, you know, this is a, a lost classic. <laughs> like it grows in reputation. Now it's not one of those, but Ray Liotta in a science fiction movie sh- should make you a little bit interested. And it's got some fun, some fun, you know, very B movie scenes. Are we done? Um, do you have any other links, Trish? Because you're good at that. <laughs> uh, no, those those were pretty much my my rec- my comps, my things that this made me think of were were the uh, 
uh, Tunnel in the Sky in mm-hmm. the past tense episode uh, episodes of Star Trek. Um, uh, yeah, I think this is a good book um, for for YA. Uh, just you know, my my quibbles are just that quibbles. It, it's it's got some interesting things to think about. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying everyone should read this book, but it is certainly a good book. I'm on book. my deathbed. What book should I read, Trish? Sorry? <laughs> I'm on my deathbed. I'm dying. I only have a, a week to live. What book should I read, Trish? Oh, gosh. <laughs> she runs to her bookshelf. Not this one. Not this one. Not this one. <laughs> and comes back with a little small stack of books, uh, but they're very thick. I said, I'm only living a week. <laughs> I'm a slow reader. <laughs> um, oh, we were talking about Highline. Not Monica Hughes. We were talking about Highline. There is a scene, there is a piece of a different Highline book that this reminded me of. Which and one? that's, that's a book that I just wrote a long review. Oh yeah. Of, I saw that. Um, <laughs> Time enough for love. Mm-hmm. And in time enough for love, that was one very of, long. I I, I read uh, I, I, I read through I, it and then I started skipping ahead because I'm like, God, this is going on. <laughs> you really you really wanted to nail down that book. I, and I, as it is, I could have doubled the length. of Oh that my! Without 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 even trying, I had I had to restrain myself. Seriously, huh. Jesse, I, I apparently needed to actually get this yeah. book out of my system. It was a trauma. Anyway, it wasn't much to say as a trauma. It was a experience that I needed to. Come to terms. It was a sweat anyway. lodge that you had to sweat out, and you're saying you could have sweated more, but I, I, I could have sweated more. It was already so it. such a sweaty, <laughs> such a oh, sweaty. Oh, 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 like oh. <laughs> it's funny though. <laughs> it's funny, but anyway. So there's so for readers who don't know, Time Enough for Love is about is it basically the memoirs of the oldest man in in humanity called Lazarus Long in the year four thousand two hundred seventy two or something like that. Anyway, he talks about. The time he um, raised a daughter to adulthood, married, falls in love with her, marries her, and they go. Now, mind you, in, in the far future, with high technology, decide to go on a go on a pioneering trip with covered wagons over a mountain range into a valley, and just by themselves. <laughs> and I had major problems with this whole scenario. Say the least, I had major problems with, with this whole idea. It's like, what are you? This, this makes no sense whatsoever, Heinlein. But the whole, I mean, though they were voluntary columnists, but it's funny that in this book, the the kids are basically welded into a family, and there's going to be no sex and no relations with each other. And in Time Enough for Love, Heinlein is obsessed. With the idea that the kids are going to have incest, so they need to. They're hoping that more times will show up, so that they, so that there'll be people for the other kids to point and marry. <laughs> it's it's Certainly just as very given the choice between reading a book where kids just feel like brothers and sisters and reading a kid a book with uh, <laughs> those are your two choices. Incest, I would go for Monica Hughes. Every those are your two choices I, I, on your deathbed: <laughs> time enough for love or. Or <laughs> invitation to the game. <laughs> Which should I go with? I don't know. That, that is a terrible choice. Um, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I deal with that choice. I, I think I know I, the answer. I, you read Monica Hughes and then you do other yeah, absolutely. things. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> you still have hours left in your life. Yeah. Exactly. 
You say, let's play some Pinochle. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. If we're going to do Heinlein, it has to be Bridge. Uh, well, as, as we as we will find out in Farnham Freehold. Yeah. I mean, coming, well, that's, uh, coming this coming you have this to have summer four people for Bridge. recording and coming um, probably um, next be 2024. April to <laughs> yeah. 2024 to, to your podcasting ears. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I would not, totally. Not, not just, you need to get yourself some rest. <laughs> yeah. I think I, we've discussed have, this. Before. Yeah, no, we're done. Um, I have a class later, Paul. A five hour class, it looks like. Oh, yeah. Jesse. You're, 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 you're not convincing me that you shouldn't have uh, taken this off, Jesse. Taken this off? You mean done taken, the podcast? Not, not done the podcast and got yourself some rest. You sound like my grandma. Just, I just need to get a little rest. I'm, Grandma, you've been sitting in that chair all day. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, Jesse, at least I hope that you are hydrating and oh, getting, yeah. I got some water. nutrition and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> um, Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Jesse. You're welcome. Take care, mess, please. Jesse. I'll try. Get me a robot to take care of me. Yes. I don't. I don't. I don't have a robot to take care of me, much less you. <laughs> no, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a robot and I'll put a cassette uh, recorder in its head and just have have the robot playback. Paul berating me for not getting enough rest. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse, stop podcasting. You should be resting right now. <laughs> a robot with my voice and personality would be a very scary thing. <laughs> that was not a very good impression of you, by the way. That was just. I'm not. I, I haven't got you down as a, a character yet. I'll work on it. <laughs> you, you do that when, you, when you're not resting. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Take care, Jesse. Thanks. I think I think Trish and I are going to exit yeah. so that you have an opportunity to rest. I need a good yes, rest. Thank you. Care. Thank thank you for <laughs> podcasting. For the discussion. Thank you. Bye bye. Okay. Bye. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash sffaudio. The question is, Paul, if if Jesse were not podcasting, what would he be doing? Indeed. Would he actually be resting? No. Or uh, would that, he be spreading himself into uh, <laughs> playing, playing PUBG or something? I did that last night, but not, not to excess. And, and didn't we have a show like last week, Paul? Yes, but I didn't know. You didn't sound great, but I didn't know you were perfect. <laughs> had, had I known you, you're, you're, you're acting like it's it's a disease unlike any other. It's not like I have bubonic plague it, here. It, it 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 is a it is a respiratory disease that has has a mm, neuro, neurological aspect. Yeah, you know, it's the, not just a respiratory the, disease. No, it spreads through all the systems. N- yeah. The most uh, astounding thing about it is how how it did affect my. My brain, my, I can't taste mustard properly now. Like mm, yeah, when I, also taste. Yeah, it's 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 a change of taste. Like it, it, it I thought I 
I was eating a sausage. It had some nice mustard on it. And I thought, oh, my God, the mustard's gone off. How can mustard go off? <laughs> and uh, I was like, that's very bad. And then I'm like, no, the mustard's fine. <laughs> um, and then I, I forgot about it. A few days go by. And then I had mustard, a different mustard. And it was like, oh, this is also wrong. It, it tasted like um, spoiled or metallic or something like that. And, huh. uh, I haven't heard of spoiled. Well, if you're having, if you're taking Paxlovid, that can. Yeah, I'm not. Have My mom got some stuff. some uh, one of these drugs, but not not I. Hmm. Yeah, well, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't mean to loss of taste of as a symptom. Yeah, no, I had that too, taste. but that was you know it was it was an additional change, um, hmm. and it was a reduced uh, sense of taste rather than complete loss, but. Uh, I'm a very tasteful guy, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I didn't know. I didn't know I had uh, been mm-hmm. infected when I went to visit my mom uh, two Mondays ago. No, Wednesdays ago. Two Wednesdays ago. I was fine. Oh, I she- no, she, she, she's, she's not great. Good. <laughs> I thought you were going to say she's not, she hadn't caught it. Oh, no, yeah, she, yeah, did. she did. Yeah, that's she how, did. That's how Jesse knows that he... Has yeah, well, other than the tested. other than okay. the um the symptoms being exactly fitting with with it. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry, Jesse, it's and okay. I hope you do. You didn't do it. Uh, take care of yourself as much as possible. I need, and I need as much as you can make yourself. I need people um, come come take care of me. That I cannot do. Oh, come on! <laughs> it's just across no, the border. No, 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 no. Almost nobody on this planet wants me to take care of them. I, you're you're you you're, to be you're, able to you're taking care of me as harassment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> send a robot. Exactly. Paul Paul's taking care of me would be berating me while I'm enjoying myself. <laughs> Jesse, wow. you're not taking care of yourself well, properly. Really, you should you should rest by just you know sitting back and letting Paul and me talk during uh, this yeah, podcast. Yeah, can do that. Like that would never happen. <laughs> well, I I you know. I also think, I, I don't just think about me. I always think about, you know, the ideal listener. And the ideal listener is not, uh, Paul and Trish agreeing. That's not what they would, <laughs> they would enjoy the most. I'm sure they would appreciate a little bit of sparks and heat and light rather than, uh, I don't know, patting each other on the back. <laughs> Uh, speaking of which, I think, it's, I think that's an unfair generalization. Oh, is it? Okay. Ow! I just realized my arms are really bruised. It's from all that padding. Uh, no. <laughs> Yesterday, my sister and I installed, uh, hauled up our window box air conditioners oh, yeah. from the basement yeah, and installed that. them upstairs, and uh, it was heavy labor and difficult, I but we got it done. Um, and. Uh, Today I am bruised. <laughs> don't listen to Paul. He's going to say you're too. You need to take care of yourself. This is too much of a burden for the podcast today. Just, just go <laughs> enjoy yourself under the AC. <laughs> so next week we got uh, Charwoman Shadow by Lord Dunsany, uh, Scratch One by Michael Crichton. Thereafter, Black House by Stephen King, Peter Straub. That's a lot of books in one. 
podcast. Oh, no. no this no, is you, subsequently. Progeny <laughs> by Philip K. Dick. Pirates of Venus by Edgar Rice Burroughs. I don't know if you heard about that one, Trish. Um, uh, I've read one of the Venus books and really. That's probably that one. Really didn't care. Probably. Really oh. didn't. It felt like, you know, old, tired. Oh, I got to do another <laughs> New World planetary story. It just. Uh, it felt almost like fan fiction trying to Ooh. be ERB. So Interesting. I did not enjoy that one. All right. Uh, Meeting with Medusa by Arthur C. Clarke. Sailing to Byzantium by Robert Silverberg. And everybody's favorite, Farnham's Freehold. And oh, God. No, <laughs> m- no Man's Land by John Buchan. And then we're into August. So... Um, Let's see, when is Farnham's Freehold? That is uh, 0806. It's August. Mm, I might need to be that on that one just to get Might the need book. to be, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Can't let the book sit peacefully in its grave. <laughs> I already have a comp. <laughs> People should read this book instead of that book. Okay. Oh, good. What, 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 what book would those. that be? Save it for uh, the podcast. See, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's so far out. It's not like I'm... Well, that's true. People will forget by then. Yeah, uh, yeah. Steve Barnes's, um, what is it? Lion's, Lion's something. Blood. Lion's Blood. Yeah. yeah. yeah I know what Lion's Blood. Which, uh, in that Steve case, Barnes. is an alternate history where the Black Plague killed off most of Europe, and so Africa leads the world and mm. rules over white people and stuff. All right. Um, well, it was uh, 2002, very recent. Yeah. Interesting. Well, um, let's uh, do a show on an invitation to the game. Yeah. Okie dokie. All right. Um, I'm going to throw out an invitation uh, for Paul to play a game. <laughs> oh, can I mute my Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's called PUBG. You might like it before <laughs> before they throw it away. Before, before who throws it away? It's an upcoming update that sounds really bad. Oh boy! Yeah, we'll see. They uh, might, I they have a hard out themselves. at one o'clock. By the way, what time you got now? Uh, eleven uh, fifteen. Oh, so uh, one hour forty five minutes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can start now. All, All right, right. Start now. Um, I'm just gonna type in um, Monica Hughes. Hueys. Oh. Huey, that's a different thing. Hueys. Uh, it's funny. Um, when I type it in, I get two pictures of Monica Hughes mm-hmm. and then some other lady selling jewelry. It, Google's going very bad. Some other Monica Hughes. Yeah. Yes. Y- 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 BK yes, and Leo jewelry. Yeah. That is a, that is a different problem. Probably wow. different. Yep. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's her daughter. Wikipedia says her last book was The Maze, 2002. Mm-hmm. Was there a movie based on that? Or am I, I don't think, I don't think there's maze? been any Monarchy Hughes movies, although uh, And she, di- she died the know. year after, huh? Yeah. She wrote up almost up to the end of her life, so that's, that's a pretty I, should, I suppose we should be saving this for the yeah. podcast. Yeah, well, 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 we, yeah, should yeah, we do intros? I am, <laughs> Jesse. Let's do intros. Oh, I'm one old. more time. We'll do one more time.